Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Wright. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local and national guests on a variety of topics important to you and your family. Senior isolation is what we're going to discuss today. Senior isolation was an issue long before COVID-19 pandemic arrived. 2019 statistics once again showed Nevada to be number one in senior suicides. That's a very um, jarring statistic. We are number one in senior suicides. Today, we are going to discuss the physical and emotional effects of isolation on our senior population and what we can do about it. My guest is Norianne Brooklocker, marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Welcome to you, Norianne. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm a senior. Uh, I actually have a birthday next week, and I'll be 71 years old, which um, is, for me, kind of like, wow, how did uh, how did that happen? So this is a personal topic for me um, on senior isolation, and I'm not retired yet, but certainly when I retire and I don't have the activity of what's going on at work and stuff, um, isolation might be an issue for me. And according to the census, nearly one-third of all seniors live by themselves. And in the last year, they have been told to stay at home with few, if many, visitors. And how has the pandemic affected our seniors? Many who were already isolated and lonely. And as I said in the beginning, our statistics on senior suicide um, is quite revealing and uh, quite dramatic, I think. Let's start with the question. Why are more seniors living alone now than ever, ever before? Um, do you have a sense of that, Norian? You know, I would say that there's probably several reasons for it. Um, I think that as one ages, um, there's a, a higher possibility of one spouse having passed away. Um, I think that there's a a high level of those who may have never lived before, lived, lived alone before um, in their life. You know, some some women have cited that to me themselves. Um, and so for some of them, it's kind of like an exhilarating time to, to get to live alone and really get to hone into what they themselves really enjoy having around them. Um, so much of our lives are often consumed with our families, whether it's, you know, our spouse or our children, and as one gets older, it might be the opportunity to really just have everything that one wants in their own space. <laughs> um, but with that said as well, you know, there might be that higher level of divorces. There might be um, that there's the extended lifespan. Um, I mean, there's there's several reasons why, why people might be living alone uh, at, at uh, this point in time um, for the senior population. Well, just because a senior lives alone doesn't mean that they are lonely. Being alone and lonely are two very separate things, aren't they? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we're talking about someone who is lonely. They don't maybe have enough social contact. Um, how does being lonely or isolation lead to depression? And the articles that I've read have said it also can lead to cognitive decline, which is something that um, all seniors, I think, certainly are aware of and conscious of and probably uh, worried about. 
So you've really hit the nail on the head here, and that would be that, um, according to research, the most important factor in determining how social isolation affects mental health is whether you feel lonely or not. And feeling lonely can cause anxiety, stress, and, as you described, cognitive decline. Um, so I think that when it when it comes to um, the depression aspect, that definitely will have a uh, pretty high level of impact on one's cognitive cognition, uh, which is the combination of processes in the brain um, that includes the ability to learn, to remember, and to make judgments. And then cognitive decline is worsening or more frequent confusion or memory loss. So it is definitely normal to have some level of cognitive decline as one ages. Um, however, forgetting how to do routine everyday tasks is not. Um, so the impact of cognitive decline can greatly affect a person's ability to live independently and to care for oneself. Um, and like many things, there's a spectrum of impact ranging from very, very mild to profoundly significant. Um, it can also be a factor in medication management um, and getting to appointments, um, including getting there as well as remembering what was said um, or managing one's own finances. So there's so many different ways that cognitive decline can really impact our well-being as well as our independence. Um, but definitely, again, one of the most impa important factors there would include that link with depression as well as that sense of loneliness. Well, I remember uh, talking to a friend of mine who's a geriatric physician about cognitive decline and kind of uh, I was laughing a bit about not remembering where my car is in the mall parking lot. And he laughed and said, well, that's pretty normal. He says, but if you, if you go to the mall and you, and you come out of the mall and you can't remember you drove there and you walk home, then we have a bit of a problem. <laughs> so it's yeah. really understanding what is normal because I think that's, uh, and I can only speak for myself when I can't remember, um, you know, how you're reaching for some particular word or uh, or something like that, and you wonder, oh, my goodness, is my memory going? It's really good, I think, for a senior to know what is normal and what is not normal. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I fully agree with that because it, it certainly can be a little bit subjective. Um, so, again, with the forgetting how to do routine tasks, that would include, say, um, how to pour a glass of milk for yourself, or it could be mm -hmm. something like, how do I brush my teeth, or how do I button my shirt? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. These would be just regular, routine things. How does my remote to the TV work? I, I, I don't know. And that that would be a, a very concerning uh, strew of things to forget. Well, let's talk then about what's happened with COVID-19, because Many seniors, not by choice, most of them, have been isolating because of COVID-19, not because their life necessarily was an isolated life. And for them, uh, would they have a little bit of a cognitive decline that they could get back once they got back out into the social world? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think uh, an additional piece of that research points to is the length of time that this continues on for. And um, as we've mentioned previously, and we'll be happy to mention again today, is that we're coming on a year here um, mm -hmm. of, of this experience. And that, that's, a, that's a pretty significant chunk of time, certainly. So do you think that um, a senior who's been isolating because of COVID-19 that whatever cognitive decline that they had during that year, that if they can get back into society now that we have vaccines, that they can mitigate that and sort of rewind? Um, well, I, I definitely will have to stay in my lane as far as what my own competence and specialty is um, in, in answering that. Um, per what I have researched and what I have personally uh, read, I would say that the sooner that people feel comfortable to be able to begin that social reconnection as well as um, beginning to do things that once more bring joy and bring a sense of meaning and, and overall well-being to one's life, the better. You know, the sooner we can begin to implement some of those uh, activities once more, I, I truly believe that it will be better for those who are potentially experiencing some cognitive decline. Um, my understanding would be that sometimes there is damage done. So as to um, kind of rewinding some of that damage, uh, it would be very hard to say. Is it possible? Well, I wouldn't be able to answer that. I would hope, but I, I certainly couldn't say with uh, any definitive uh, answer on that one. Sure. Well, if the depression from the isolation occurs and that then could possibly lead to a cognitive decline, then dealing with the depression sounds like that's really um, a place to start. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that when it when it comes to depression, that too uh, is going to have a high correlation with those higher levels of stress and poor sleep and the unhealthy lifestyle habits, um, which mm -hmm. are more likely to occur with less social interaction and, and for that matter, accountability. <laughs> um, right. I think that uh, there are a lot of adverse health consequences, um, and certainly depression plays a huge, huge role in that as well. So uh, some of the things that a senior can do when we're talking about the cognitive decline that's why so many times it's recommended to seniors that they volunteer, get out and do things. But we also have Sudoku and we have crossword puzzles and, you know, the the word games and stuff. Those are things that are recommended to the seniors in order to keep their mind sort of sharp. Uh, is that my understanding? All of those help? Yes. Yes, absolutely. All of those can make a really, really big difference. Um, in addition to that, though, I would say that meaningful connection, um, one of the ideas around uh, how this might have an impact is that we're not having as many uh, conversations, perhaps. And, um, you know, meaningful uh, conversations can really create a lot of um, that cognitive firing in the brain, if you will, mm -hmm. thinking about things mm -hmm. and really chewing on them internally, that, that too can really um, amplify our ability to maintain our cognition over aging. Mm -hmm. 
Well, as a society, we're living longer. I mean, I, as I said in the beginning, I'm a senior. I'll be 71 in a week or so. And that doesn't seem, I know this sounds weird, but that doesn't seem old anymore. I mean, it, it, because we're living into our 90s or 100, more and more people are. So this issue of keeping yourself mentally fit along with physical seems to me has become a pretty big one in the last decade or so because we are living longer. Is that what you found? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think that when when it comes to the medical advancements that have been made, people are able to have those much longer lives. Um, And with that, I think that we're running into new territories, which could be expected Mm -hmm. if this has not previously really been a huge part of society. But as we as we as a society uh, grow older here um, and we're starting to have these events come forward, I think it it really provides opportunity for us to do our utmost to uh, be honoring to the generations before us. And um, what's Mm -hmm. more is I think that they provide a lot of their own wisdom as to how we can be of best support and help them too. So asking them as well, what do you need? What what would be something that would be meaningful to you? I think would be a great conversation Mm -hmm. starter. Well, and because we're living longer, poverty for the seniors is becoming a major issue. And I know in the Reno and Sparks area, affordable housing for seniors is a huge issue. So if you add on top of the issue of the pandemic and then you add on top of it somebody that um, is only making a thousand or so months on Social Security and they didn't have a lot of savings, um, we have a like a Petri dish for a great deal of uh, depression. And you said a few minutes ago, honoring our seniors, uh, I would add the term, are we responsible for our seniors? And I think we, I think we should be. I would say so. I would say so. Um, I think that there comes an age where people aren't able to to work quite at the same capacity. But what's more is that our value isn't solely in our quote-unquote utility. I think that we each provide value in very different ways, and I think that our our elderly population has immense value and should be treated as such. I I totally agree with you, and that our seniors um, should be honored and respected as to what they've given to their community and what they've given to the world. Let's talk for a second about elder abuse because. We, I think some people think, rightfully so, that elder abuse would be physical abuse, but the scams are really elder abuse. And I read about them occasionally, and I think, my goodness, a senior gave somebody, you know, a great deal of their savings over a scam, and and they just took it and they can't get it back. But that is a form of elder abuse, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. It's so heartbreaking. Um, according to the National Counseling Council on Aging, while luck- likely underreported, estimates of elder financial abuse and fraud costs to older Americans range uh, from 2.9 billion to 36.5 billion annually. Oh my! Yeah, I my. know. It's heartbreaking, Um, yet financial exploitation is self-reported at rates higher than emotional, physical, and uh, sexual abuse or neglect. 
Um, all wow. of those other pieces also, unfortunately, do happen uh, to the elderly population. It can look a lot of different ways. Um, so physical abuse, it might be that there's bruises, pressure marks, broken bones, abrasions, burns. Emotional abuse might be unexplained withdrawal from normal activities, a sudden change in alertness or unusual depression, uh, strained or tense relationships, frequent arguments between caregiver and the older adult, um, the financial abuse we've touched on just a moment ago, um, but it might be that they have sudden changes in their financial situations. Um, neglect could include bed source, unattended medical needs, poor hygiene, uh, unusual weight loss, um, or the verbal or emotional abuse that sometimes they receive, mm -hmm. uh, belittling threats or other uses of power and control. So they are a very vulnerable population. And um, when it comes to the limits to confidentiality, uh, not only do I have to report on child abuse, but I very much also am a mandated reporter for elder abuse if or when I see um, some signs of it. And um, they might they might have a higher level of confusion or they might have, you know, the, the need to rely on, on somebody that very well could take advantage. And unfortunately, it, it is something that occurs. Well, let's say that um, someone had a neighbor that was elderly and they noticed that they had bruises on them or they noticed that someone was yelling at them that was coming to visit them or something. What should they do about that? Yes, so there is a hotline. Um, you can report elder abuse uh, for the domestic or community, 1-800-992-5757. Uh, um, for the Reno area specifically, that's going to be 775-688-2964. Um, for our Las Vegas population, that's 702-486-3545. Um, and you can also, of course, look it up online as well at elderprotectioncenter.com slash state-elder-abuse-hotlines. Thank you, Noran, for that information. Why do you think in the state of Nevada our rate of suicide for our elderly is so high? It's the highest in the nation. I I I can't quite grasp why we have reached that unfortunate milestone. I think that it is it is extremely alarming. Um I think that uh as as one ages, one goes through tremendous losses. Um, you know, I think that by the time somebody has reached their 90s, they've probably lost nearly everybody that they've ever loved and cared about. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And in addition to that, they're seeing as their bodies are no longer functioning the way that they once were, perhaps cognitively, they're recognizing that that cognitive decline is occurring. Um, as you described, the, the poverty aspect would certainly probably play a part for at least some. Um, but in addition to that, that loneliness, that depression, um, I think that there are times where people might feel that sense of all that is still ahead of them. And that might not mm -hmm. be something that they're feeling quite as strongly. You know, what what else really is there uh, to look forward to, if you will? Um, and in, in addition to that, if they're not feeling connected with the world around them or feeling as if um, their values have changed dramatically, 
Um, you know, I think that there are a number of contributing factors, and another one would include when one spouse has passed away. Um, there's actually uh, also one of the highest rates of double suicides, so that might include um, spouses that are making this choice together so that they, they don't have to live without one another. You know, there's there's hmm. a, a number of different reasons yeah. that could be contributing, but each one of those would be one of those red flags, if you will, for any age range, um, but especially with the, the elderly population, they have quite a number of them. Well, that's all, you know, we've been talking about a lot of things that are pretty, a little bit disheartening, you know, our senior population and what they need and uh, and really they're the at-risk population in many of our seniors. What can we do to help? Let's talk about what what we can do, even getting down to some some uh, real detail maybe on it um, of just 10 minutes of conversation with a senior can help them. Seniors that we know, um, calling them up. Uh, we can't go visit them in their home just yet, but reaching out to them. What are some things that that anyone can do to help a senior? So no matter where you live, there are absolutely senior citizens and the, the elderly population who absolutely could benefit from uh, your help. A great way to get started would be being mindful of specific opportunities in the moment. That might mean um, that if you see someone struggling with their groceries, be of support. Um, it could mean that uh, it's perhaps washing their car, mowing their lawn, watering their plants, um, as you just described, you know, taking 10 minutes just to talk to them. I uh, recently had a a moment um, where I uh, was able to help a senior citizen bring their cart back to uh, the cart area at the grocery store. Um, and that particular individual just wanted to talk for a few minutes. And so mm -hmm. I took a few minutes and said, okay, I'd love to have this mm -hmm. moment spent with you. And that's as simple as it can get, really. Um, but that is in those moments of opportunity. In addition to that, though, it is volunteering, and I think that one of the big things uh, I'm hopeful for, especially, again, as, as these vaccinations start to happen, is that the nursing facilities and these long-term care facilities or the assisted living will open back up to visitors so that people can once more be able to have those volunteer opportunities, um, but also, again, just to, to go and sit in conversation. Another huge one, I would say, would be uh, being of assistance with technology-based resources. I think it can get really confusing even for me, and I'm in my 30s. <laughs> so I would also say that, um, you know, assisting them to, to find those ways to reach out or to get connected on games, um, I think could be a really, really massive thing as well. Um, and in addition to that, just to go back a little bit here, um, if there are concerns, certainly calling that hotline or what have you, but in addition to that, don't turn a blind eye. Um, that can happen is like, well, that's not my business. Yes, it is. 
If you see something that you're concerned about, I know it's one of those things we don't we don't want to ruffle feathers and we don't want to stick our noses where they're they're unneeded, but there are times where there are populations that need you to do exactly that, to stand up, to say something. Um and mm-hmm. that that would also be something that you can do. That's a good point. I the children and seniors, both those populations need someone to speak for them many times. Because they can't do it by themselves. 100%. And I'll add on top of that as well, um, this is also very true of uh, handicapped populations to some extent, you know, those who uh, have mental disabilities as well. um, Those two are going to be vulnerable populations. And unfortunately, they sometimes are some of the, the most common victims for the fact that they are not able to often speak up on their own behalf. Well, and that saying, are we our brothers or our brothers and sisters keepers? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. We are. We, we uh, at least I believe that we are. We are uh, responsible to our families, to ourselves, and then the circle gets bigger to the people in our community and to the world in many ways. And uh, seniors, I think, especially now with COVID, uh, really need our help. And I know that Many seniors, um, they like to be asked about their lives and the lessons they've learned and what's influenced them um, and maybe the job that they had or what their, the values they've seen or the changes they've seen in the world and how that's affected them or their lives. Um, I think they really would like it if more people ask some questions like that. I agree. I agree completely, and I really appreciate you uh, offering a voice to that as well um, in in this capacity. Um, I think that that's really a, a tremendously empowering thing to be able to, to give. Well, one of the, the losses the seniors, a uh, certain population of seniors have had during COVID is the loss of the senior centers. Mm, and yeah. because Access to Healthcare Network works so closely with the senior centers, that loss has um, been profound for the seniors because they would come for meals and now they uh, get their meals, either meals on wheels, and that's for homebound seniors, but also now they come and get their meal um, in a drive-by, so there is no social interaction. But if you've ever been to one of the senior centers, it just is a hub of conversation and social activity uh, around the meal and with other seniors and it could be their social their only social interaction for the day so unfortunately covid uh, 19 has taken that away and i'm very hopeful that sometime this summer that opportunity will open itself back up with certain guidelines on it for covid but many seniors uh, have never been in a senior center and if i could just put in a small plug to visit your senior center and maybe volunteer and support your senior centers because the seniors that we're talking about that are in isolation or isolatory, they uh, many times the senior center is the only interaction they have. And the same with Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels is uh, a meal that is brought to a senior who's homebound. And homebound means that they don't have a way to get out even to go to a senior center. And that population really needs interaction. 
and there's certain ways that people can volunteer to help with that too. So I think I agree with you. This is a very, very important conversation. Um, anything else that you'd like to suggest to people that are listening, Noran? Yeah, I I would like to say that you know I um I don't mean to overgeneralize here, but in general, it is hard for a lot of people to ask for help. Um, but especially, I would also say for older people, in that um, sometimes we just have to show up, and sometimes we just have to say, "Hey, I'm here if you need me," and that takes um, the onus off of them to do so, to speak up for themselves. You know, it, it can also be something as small as what you've just described is giving an elderly person a ride, uh, whether it's to the store or to the senior citizen center, um, or, you know, when things are opening back up again, um, and more readily available, you know, maybe even to a movie. Um, but to get out of the house for a little while can be really, really nice. And one of the other things I want to say here to, that, um, I think is important is remembering, what is so special about life and living? I think that, um, you know, we've been trying to be very protective of our, our wisdom keepers in this COVID-19 process. And um, I think at the same time, there comes a point where we have to remember what it is that we are protecting. And, and I think that what I mean by that is to say, for those who are feeling that sense of loneliness and are really wondering, you know, what's the point of all of this? That to me is an indication that that person has lost their spark for life and that that is a person who's especially vulnerable and that may need to just go out for a walk or again, to have um, some level of connection, um, but not only to others, to themselves. Too. So it could be doing art. I mean, there's so many different ways in which we can be of assistance, and I truly, truly hope that that's something that really becomes a priority uh, for that support as COVID-19 begins to uh, go into the rearview mirror. We're not there yet, but we're very, very much on our way, and I hope that we'll continue to be as um, big of cheerleaders for that population when all of this is said and done uh, to try to get them back on their feet in a whole other sort of capacity. Mm. Very well put, Noran. We've been talking today about isolation in seniors, uh, and we've been talking about the tragedy of the fact that Nevada has the highest rate of senior suicide in the United States. Noran gave us a phone number for um, a hotline for senior abuse. And remember, we talked about that abuse is not just physical, it's also mental, it's also um, financial fraud. That number is 1-800-992-5757. But even more important than that, if you know a senior, reach out to them. If you see a senior, like Noran said, she helped her put her cart back at the grocery store and they talked for a few minutes. Um, take that time to do that with the senior because trust me, it really, really matters. Thank you, Norianne. We've been talking to Norianne Brooklocker. She's a local marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Thank you, Norianne, for your words of wisdom today. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to speak to this topic as well. If you'd like to listen to other podcasts, 
Go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast and you'll find a list. Thank you for listening today and please stay safe, wear your mask and consider getting a vaccine and reach out to any seniors in your life.